Welcome to Habs Unfiltered. This independent podcast is featured on the Hockey Writers and iHeartRadio, bringing you honest and unfiltered entertainment and discussion on the Montreal Canadiens and hockey news. Your hosts, Matt Smith, Treg Wilson, and Blaine Putney are proud to be one of your trusted sources. If you are talking about it, so are we. Welcome to Habs Unfiltered. Habs Unfiltered is featured on The Hockey Writers and iHeartRadio. This podcast brings you honest and in-depth hockey discussion and entertainment. Our hosts, Matt Smith, Treg Wilson, and Blaine Pudvay, are proud to be one of your trusted sources for Habs and hockey news. If you are talking about it, so are we. And welcome to Habs Unfiltered, episode 144. I'm your host, Blaine Putney. I'm joined now by my co-host, Matt Smith. Good morning. And Treg Wilson. Good morning. It is a wonderful Saturday morning here in Halifax. It's sunny and 20 degrees. And I'm hiding in the Habs Unfiltered studios now so that I don't have to mow my lawn again this week. You mow your lawn? I I let my lawn grow for the bees. (laughs) Well, if I let it grow too much, then I lose my dog. Yeah. My excuses for the bees. That's what oh, I tell fair. you. Oh, the bees. Got to keep those excuses. Yeah. Matt doesn't need to worry about lawns. I really, I really do. If I don't, housing shows up and gives me a letter and they're like, more your fucking lawn. And you're just like, fix my sink. You know? <laughs> <laughs> and then they drive away, right? New so, record, Matt. Uh, a, a yeah. minute 32 in the show and you drop an F-bomb. New record. It's, all, it's housing. You got to whatever. <laughs> yeah, Canadian Forces housing. They're the yeah. best. <laughs> all right, so this episode, we're going to discuss the uh, playoff lines uh, and some playoff talk because the Canadians, much to the chagrin of many of their own fans for some reason, uh, made the playoffs, actually earned a playoff spot. I mean... No. No. Oh yeah, that's right. COVID. Doesn't count this year. Yeah, doesn't thing. count COVID. Yeah. They never would have made it if uh, it was a regular season, because we all know how they would have done against every other team not in the North. Because they played them so many times. Right. Yeah. Let's let's just put the uh, put this baby to bed. You're in a division of seven teams. You play them all. You are facing the same adversity as every other team. They set they set the playoffs to four teams in those out of those seven. You made it. Were the playoffs uh, unsubstantiated back in the original six? 
or how about the 80s and early 90s when it was done by division top four teams in each division made the playoffs well it was 16 uh, the top 16 out of 21 made the playoffs back then correct and but it was top four per division montreal in the adams division matter of fact in 1993 when the stanley cup they finished fourth yep they did have 103 points but they finished fourth um so to say the format's wrong so it doesn't count well did it not count in the 80s and 90s because the format was the same that's my point. <clears throat> but did they have French players in the lineup? Yes. yes. Exactly. Almost That's half all the team that. was French, actually. <laughs> that, was our, that was our last show. That was our last show, but I'm, gonna, yeah. I'm still going to bring yeah. it up. <laughs> that one game. But you can also argue last year. Like, people will argue, oh, they only got in because of COVID. They got in because the NHL said they were in the playoffs. They actually had to beat Pittsburgh to make it to the playoffs. And they did. And they did. Because the season ended – early they had to find a way that was the most fair to get uh, get teams to figure out seating so they they set up a play-in system and it should have been an easy win for pittsburgh i mean montreal was 24th and nobody and nobody gave the canadians a chance they 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 literally went out at the deadline and said here's all our spare parts we're going to trade them for assets and that's what they did and they still were able to knock off pittsburgh so they made the playoffs. You, you may not like the way that was ha- that it happened, and it would not have been a possibility had it not been for COVID. But we can't say COVID. If this doesn't happen, then because yeah. too bad it happened. Yeah, and you can't say in a regular season Montreal never would have made it. We don't know. We don't know how Montreal would have played against anyone else. We don't know how they would have played against Buffalo. We don't know how they could have been worse. They could, they could be worse. Yes. You're absolutely right. But they made it under the rules, but they made it under the rules that every other team had to abide by this year. And in an schedule, they they weren't playing 27 games and 41 nights either. So no, that's very true. Yeah. Or eight and 13. Mm. So, I mean, you can't sit there and say they wouldn't have done it or they would have done it because you don't know they did it under this format. And that's all that matters. Yeah, and it's it's a legit it's a legitimate format that all the teams yeah. have agreed to. So, Bergevin haters, six of nine. That's all I gotta say. Yeah, he made the playoffs, and the argument could be, great, he made it, but what has he done to help the team win anything in the playoffs? Exactly. If you want to argue that, sure. That's a valid it. argument. That's a valid argument because he hasn't. I mean, this year, maybe. Uh, Maybe because he did put his team and get together in the offseason that if on paper you can sit there and say this is a pretty good team, right? This yeah. team could go do pretty well in the playoffs on paper. But because they played 25 games in 41 nights, suddenly yeah. they're the worst thing that they can, that they've ever seen. The, the recency bias in the fan base gets to me sometimes. Like they, they they don't take a step back and do a full view. No, they just look at the here and now and they look oh my God, they lost their last five games going into the playoffs and they've only won under Ducharme. They had a terrible record, but also under Ducharme, they were mired in a, we're playing every second night. And sometimes back to back, we're playing, we're playing four games, four games a week for almost the entire tenure Ducharme was there. And you guys know me, I'm not a huge Ducharme fan, but I will defend him on this. He never had time to actually put practices together where he could, work things out yeah. never had a spring training 
urge spring training. That's baseball. Never had a training preseason. Camp. Training camp or preseason. Uh, training camp, yep. whatever you want to call it. Yep. And, uh, you know, he – I don't want to defend him too much. But <laughs> um, <laughs> I hate this guy, really... but I don't want to defend him. Yeah. That's, that's six of his yeah. regulars, not just regulars, six of his top players out. Yeah, all at once. For, for periods of time, all at once. Yeah. So – those, those are valid. Those, those are valid points to why the Canadians may not have done that well. Now, we're gonna pivot from that pivot. because this is playoff talk. This is our, this is one of our playoff preview episodes. We're gonna go to the lines. So, because of the schedule, now the Canadians are looking at a week off. They don't start until Thursday. We record this on Saturday, May fifteenth. This Thursday is Game One against Toronto in Toronto. So the Canadians will have had a full week of rest and practice time that Ducharme could take advantage of. The expectation is that everyone, with the exception of Jonathan Drouin, are going to be back. How good they're going to be, we don't know, but they're going to be available to dress. So keeping, in, uh, keeping all that in mind, we know that the first line is almost 100% guaranteed to be uh, Deno, Tatar, Gallagher. 100%. So let's just start in on that line. And uh, Matt, what, uh, why would you think that would be a guaranteed line? That is your most consistent line that they've had since they put it together. And you know me, I like consistency when it comes to lineups and um, and matching up your 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 shutdown line against a, a top team. And uh, I believe that um, I believe that it was a, it was a solid line throughout the season when they were together, when everybody was healthy, obviously. Um, and then just historically, since that line has been put together, it's been a, it's been one of those uh, better matchup lines that you can utilize against different teams. And we've seen Dino transition into this, 200 foot player and you know the points are starting to come we'll see what what happens when it comes in terms of a contract negotiation but this is a guy that's been a thorn in the side of a lot of um, very good offensive players over the last few years and I believe he can do the same thing in a playoff environment so clearly they're going to match him up against the Matthews line the Matthews absolutely absolutely and the Matthews line uh, Matthews Marner and Hyman for lines that have played 200 plus minutes in the NHL this year together, they're the second best uh, line with expected goals for. So, you know, most shot generation, most uh, chances created. They're the ones that are expected to score the most goals. They're second best line in the NHL. Does anyone have a guess who the first best line is? Dino, Tatar, and Gallagher. Exactly. They, uh, their line under the same conditions over 200 minutes played together, finish the season with 70.8% XGF. The Matthews line finished with 62%. So there's a pretty good gap there. And that would be an excellent matchup because of how you mentioned it, Matt. Denode likes to get, get into it. Yeah. Gallagher's the same. Tatar, excellent two-way, uh, two-way forward. Um, so the, that's going to be a key matchup in this series. If the Dano line can shut down the Matthews line for the most part, or at least come out as a plus, you know, yeah. Yeah. 
then and they can worry about honestly they can worry about the Tavares line by committee they can use you right. can, they can use line two and line three to see which one's really meshing against that line I personally think it's probably going to be the Suzuki line obviously yeah. but that's a matchup I'm not going to say I'm not as worried about Tavares is still a very good player and um, they're likely going to have Felino on that line or someone else but um, I think it's something that you can kind of balance your lines around and see what's working, what's not, and yeah. plan your attack accordingly. Clearly the Matthews line is the, the most dangerous because you have your your Morris Rucker Shard trophy winner in Matthews. Marner's one of the top playmakers coming from the wing. The second line of Tavares is probably going to be Foligno on the left with uh, Nylander on the right. Now, Treg, Matt mentioned Suzuki. Who do you think should play with Suzuki on that second I think, line? I think they should go with Foley and Anderson. Um yeah. I see a lot of people doing their lines on Twitter and they have Anderson down on the one of the bottom two lines. And I think that's a mistake. There's a huge reason Columbus got by Tampa Bay uh, two years ago. And this was right from uh, Cooper, the head coach, was because of Josh Anderson. They had no way to contain him. And he was just beating the crap out of their star players with his hits and his play. Now, Steve Eiserman made a quote after that series saying, we did not have an answer to Anderson. Right. Oh, Steve Eisman. Yeah, I, I said Cooper. Um, and uh, I truly believe you throw uh, Toffoli on there because he's a good two-way winger. Uh, Suzuki's two-way game's coming along good. Uh, they'll provide not only offense, but I think they can keep the Tavares line in check. Um, so, And, and it's, it's interesting talk about the Marner-Matthews line is I think if you take away Marner, you shut that line down, not Matthews. I think you need to uh, time and space. I mean, we're going to get into it later, but uh, um, for me, the second line should be Toffoli, Suzuki, Anderson. I agree that that physical aspect that Anderson's going to bring with the speed is going to be a very big factor. Um, <clears throat> Anderson on the four check and he can score off the rush. Suzuki can uh, thread a pass to him when they're in the zone, his cycle game Toffoli can find open space. He's very good at it. I mean, he finished mm. fifth in the NHL in goals. So Clearly he knows what to do to get the puck in the net. And Suzuki has lifted his game up here as the season has worn on and he's, he's on a roll. So he's entered the seat the playoffs ready to go. Now this is where the, uh, where things get a little bit hairy and uh, we'll move on to the third line. Now, clearly there's a bias in the Canadians organization towards veterans and stall and Perry are those guys, they've, they're the triple gold club. They've won at every level they've been at Olympic world championships, uh, junior NHL. They have the experience. And the expectation is that he's going to put uh, that Ducharme is going to use stall in, in this capacity. Now, I think that would be a mistake. I believe Kotkaniemi should be centering that third line and, I know that he has struggled offensively. He hasn't scored much uh, in the last 20 games. But with a, a roving carousel of wingers and rolls, it's not easy to, to get confidence. Despite all that, defensively, Kotkaniemi has played much better than Stahl has. He back checks. He finishes his checks. Um, he, he gets in the lanes. He cuts off passes. He has done a better job defensively overall. So in that third line role, I think Kotkinemi would be the better choice and his playmaking ability 
would be very beneficial, especially if Ducharme has the balls to play Caulfield on his wing. I mean, the kid scored four goals in 10 games, which is a 30-goal pace playing 12 minutes a game. I agree with that line. As a matter of fact, my line would have been Lekin in Caulfield or Lekin in Kakiemi and Caulfield. Uh, Lekin and provide extra defense back. Because, you know, the, it's going to be Montreal's going to play a defensive game here in the playoffs. That's just the way it's going to go. Um, however, <laughs> I don't think you see Caulfield in the first couple games of the series. Which would be uh, a mistake. I, I agree. I think you're going to see a finish, the finish line. I think you're going to see Kakiemi, Armia, and Lekkonen, and you're going to see Stahl play the fourth line center role. That, that's what I think is going to happen. And I think Evans and I think, I think that's not what I want, but what I think is going to happen, Evans and Caulfield are going to be the two guys sitting. That's what I think. I, I don't know. He, so the, we, we were going to get it. We're going to get into the fourth line here in a bit, but yeah. the line of Evans, Lekkonen and Byron in those last couple of games were flying. They, they, I mean, Byron being rested made a big difference, but um, they were matched up against Connor McDavid and came out with eight points and, and were plus players over those two games. So I do feel like that's going to be a line to start because if they can keep up with McDavid, they can keep up with Matthews. So going up, if they get caught out there on a road game, that line should be able to hold on for about 30 seconds before he can make a line change. And they could also generate a little bit of offense and eat up some minutes. That's why I think that line's going to stay together. And you've also if, got three. You've also got three penalty killers on that line. That's right, which is a big deal for the Canadians, and we'll get into that in the play, uh, in our playoff talk. But sticking to the lines, this is why I believe that if Ducharme has the uh, is willing to be bold, because fortune favors a bold, be bold. Put Kotniemi on the end there. Sit stall. Sit, uh, you know, you, you sit those guys. You play Evans. You play, I don't know, uh, you got to make a choice between Perry and Armia. Yeah. Do you keep Armia or do you put in Perry? And I think Perry would be the choice there because of his power play t- uh, usage. Yeah. As, as much as I'd love to see Caulfield in, he is, I'm not going to say he's the logical choice to sit, it shouldn't be that way, and then I, I'm, I'm a big fan of Caulfield. I'd love to see him in the lineup. However, my third line would more like more likely be to keep that fourth line intact that you just brought up would be uh, Perry, Kakaniemi, and Armia. And Armia hasn't been that strong over the last little while, but he's someone that Kakaniemi is used to playing with, fellow countrymen, and he's someone that's a body that can kill penalties and he'll finish his checks. He might not, he might not have the flash obviously that Caulfield has in the finish that he has, even though he is finish slide that in there. That was terrible. Ooh. I know that was terrible. Yeah. I know, but, <laughs> but um, that's, that's what I think it's going to go by. That's going to be the veteran decision that he's going to make, I believe. And then he's going to keep that fourth line that you brought up. That's played so well against the McDavid line intact and they'll have just their bottom six will have four penalty killers. And that's not, um, and, th- and then you'd have to know as well, if you wanted to use him in that role. 
or to or to Foley or Anderson because we've seen them all get penalty kill time over the uh, over the season. Personally, I would love to see Deneau. The first line is going to stay the same. I would love to see Suzuki Caulfield, Suzuki Caulfield, the Foley line with a Kotnemi Anderson, Armia line or Lekkinen or whoever you want to throw on that left side. Uh, I would probably say Armia if you can play the left side and then put uh, that fourth line. I just don't see, like you said, bold, uh, you know, uh, fortune uh, favors the bold. I don't see Ducharme doing that. I just don't see him, him being bold like that and I wish he would um, but it's a catch-22 so say he plays all these young guys and they go out and they lose five games they're going to say well you should play the vets well that's what I mean he goes out and plays it it's a, it's a catch-22 he needs to balance the vets with the young guys uh, I think Stahl should sit but I guarantee you he'll be in the lineup I guarantee it Guarantee Stall and Perry are in the lineup. And I, I have no issue with Perry being in the lineup, so don't get me wrong. Yeah. Personally, I think Army is the guy that should sit. But uh, yeah. um, the fourth line, I think, is going to be a Stall, Perry, Byron, or Lekkonen line. That's what I think it's going to be. Um, I honestly feel, and this is my personal feeling, that a team that really, really needs added scoring, a team that desperately looks for, <clears throat> and in a series like this, you're going to need depth scoring. Who would you rather have, Caulfield or Armia? Caulfield, yeah. guarantee. <clears throat> yeah. I just you got to you got to take that. Cho- you got to step out <laughs> on the ledge. You got an interim tag on your name as a coach. Step out on the ledge. Add that he, scoring. If if it doesn't work after a couple games, you can make a change. Yeah. I to me, I think he should play all the young guys. I think Stahl should sit. I think Armia should sit. I think Caulfield should be in. Kotniemi should be in. Evans should be in. And I think if you lose with that lineup, you 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 didn't really lose. You you put out what you thought was the best lineup. You put the kids out. You gave them the experience, and it just didn't work out. Yeah. Caulfield, go ahead. Sorry, go ahead. I was going to say, but he's going to play not to lose. Yeah, yeah. And that's why Boy he's going to play Stall, and he's going to play Armia. I do like the thought. I do like the thought of having Caulfield in the lineup to play against the bottom six of the Leafs. The guy's a volume shooter. He averages three shots a game right now in the 10 games he's played. He's got four goals. He'll shoot from anywhere. And you see the confidence that this kid's playing with. The defensive side is kind of what is a little bit of a, a little bit of a, um, but he's not that bad. He's, he's not, he's not, but the playoffs is a whole different game. He hasn't really been, he hasn't really been hit yet. He hasn't, re- except for by a ref, right? So, <laughs> and right? that was so, the best hit so far this year. Right, but he hasn't really been, he hasn't really played the physical game yet. He really, you know, and, and, and you know, this is obviously something that he's going to have to go through to see how he, to, to see how we can withstand it. Um, personally, he's in my lineup. I doubt he's in Ducharme's, which is going to be disappointing. Um but now on the physical we'll, aspect, we'll, we'll, your see, argument, we'll see how it goes. Your argument about the physical aspect, I think would hold water if they were playing Winnipeg because yeah, Winnipeg yeah. is a heavy team, but yeah. they're playing Toronto. Toronto depends is on, not depend, a heavy depends team. On, it depends on the line, the line matchup though. If, if they've got him out there and um, he's playing against, he's playing against like the Simmons line or something like that, then 
he might Simmons be doesn't really a bit hit. More. Like Simmons isn't uh, and Simmons is a de- front of the net guy, kind of guy. That's, yeah. that's right, but it's also going to depend on the, the 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 defense that's out there as well. They don't hit much either. It's Muzzin, and that's pretty Muzzin. much it. Yeah. Their defense is based on mobility. So they're going right. to close gaps, and that's right. So it, it's not as a, as physical of a game. I don't see Toronto changing their game plan whatsoever. It's probably not going to change very much, but we'll we'll see. Like I I, I personally we'll, would have Caulfield in the lineup. Yeah. But if you look I think at, we all if, if if you look at if you look at um, if you look at what Armia can bring with being the bigger body, more defensive penalty killer, et cetera, et cetera. I think that's what Ducharme's going to look at. Even though it might not be the right thing to do, I think that's what he's going to look at. And he's going to play a more defensive style on his bottom six and try to really rely on his top six to, to do most of the most of the heavy lifting. He's going to do that for the first two games. And if it doesn't work, that's when you'll see Caulfield and Evans come into the lineup. Which will be too late. <clears throat> yeah, very much exactly. so. Yeah. But it makes sense that he wants all his penalty killers in the lineup. I mean, they're playing Toronto and the officials, you know, as, as you know, you, you'd expect love to give power plays at yeah. opportune times. It's not, it's not the amount of, oper- uh, of power plays. It's those, just those primo opportune moments that they, they get them at. Now we'll get into that in the playoff talk. So to finish off the, the lines, um, the big, uh, <clears throat> I think the big competition at center is not going to be between Evans and Stahl. It's going to be Evans and Kotkaniemi. If they sit one, it'll be one or the other. Yeah. Stahl's in. You can get, I can, yeah. I will put money down that Stahl will be in the starting lineup because of playoffs, whether you want him or not. Personally, I would go with Evans and Kotkaniemi. My center yeah. line would be Dano, Suzuki, Kotkaniemi, and Evans. Oh, it worked in the bubble. Why wouldn't it work now? especially after a week off where they got to yeah. to kind of heal up the bumps and bruises and then regroup. That, Cause that's what they've been missing this entire second half of the season. So, so. I mean, but I'll guarantee you. And I said that on uh, Twitter and people ripped my head off. I said, the competition is, it has nothing to do with stall. It's between Cottonham and Evans because stalls already got a spot, whether you like it or not. Um, yep. And over the last few games, Evans has been a hell of a, bit, a hell of a lot better player. But He's then again, Stahl could turn around in the playoffs. Apparently, he had an injury. He could turn around in the playoffs and be Stahl from Minnesota. Yeah. And then, They're gonna, that's what we need. We need somebody yeah. who can step in and play yeah. the way Kanyemi did in the bubble last year, yeah. if it's him, or Stahl step up and play the way he has in the past. Yeah. Either way, they need someone who was able to step up to that level. Yeah. All right. Um, what about defense? Clearly... Petrie and Edmondson are a pairing. Yep. Weber, uh, Weber, Weber is expected to be back. He's still wearing a brace, I might add, on his left hand. So he might be a little bit hampered there. So they're more than likely to put Sherratt on his pairing, which leaves Romanov, Kulak, and Merrill really in competition for those last two spots. Um, Merrill has not impressed me whatsoever since he arrived. He struggled. Yeah, he's he's uh, made he's made the he's made the impressive um, defensive play here and there, get his sticks in the lane, that kind of stuff, skate back, that kind of stuff. But it's been few and far between. At least it hasn't been 
Okay, well, and then the puck goes back to the blue line, and it goes to Gustafs, and there it goes. All right, so it hasn't been that, right? So, like, I wouldn't even consider Gustafson to be in the No, lineup, no, no. Right? That's why I never even mentioned it. <laughs> but I would, uh, for me, it would be uh, it'd be Romanov and Kulak. I agree. Yeah, I, Romanov, I Romanov, I believe, is a guy that's going to elevate his game. He's not, uh, he's not afraid to put the puck on net. He'll get in front of shots. He throws the body, and he throws it hard. Um and with uh, with Kulak, he's another guy. He'll throw the puck on net. He'll pick up points here and there, and um, you know he picks his chances to get into the uh, to the offense. And I, th- I think that would be the best uh, the best line to put together. I want it to be Romanov and Kulak, but it's going to be Romanov and Merrill because <laughs> he he doesn't like to change what he's been using, even if it's failing. It's weird. It's yeah. really weird. Yeah. Like Romanov and Kulak provide the mobility and physicality that you would want in a bottom pair. I mean, Romanov is clearly going to be more, but he's not ready for more yet. But in that, in that role, he'll, he threw almost over 200 hits this year. People are going to get hit when they come down his wing. They will get hit. He is very mobile. He's able to strip pucks. He's able to move pucks up ice. He makes a good first pass. Kulak, he's not as physical but he carries the puck. He moves up ice. Um, he, he led the team in zone exit and zone entry, controlled zone exit and zone entry percentages. In his, uh, his limited number of games, Kulak leads the team in those areas. No, it's Mete. You can't say that. It's always Mete. <laughs> no, it's actually Kulak by a full no, percentage no, point. No, I don't, I don't believe it. It's Mete. I, no. I read Twitter, and on Twitter, Mete's the greatest that ever lived, so it has to be Mete. Yeah, except... You've you seen know. him since he's played in Ottawa and the minutes that he's getting blamed. Oh, oh my God. You should, you should, you should, maybe you should get on social media and start reading Maybe they should sign him for $5 million a year and just prove us all wrong. When they, the when they will, you just heard it here first, so... Yeah. <laughs> Let's leave Mete out of this. Mete was a depth defenseman who could not get a puck on net. The actual zone <laughs> entries and zone exits controlled are led by Kulak. That's the guy you would want to have on that pairing. And really, that pairing would match up well against Toronto, who are a very you know, that a team that built on speed. So that's where I would go. Are you trying to say that Montreal's the tortoise and the Leafs are the hare because they're fast on their feet? Slow and steady wins the race. I'm just saying, like uh, going out to that participation. Remember the little participation commercial? No. With the rabbit and the tortoise. Do you remember that, Matt? Yeah. <laughs> You're supposed to say no because he's a grandfather. It was a good one. The tortoise took the stairs two at a time. I'm starting to show my age too, so it's all good. The tortoise took the stairs two at a time. Elevator right, so I think we're all pretty much in agreement there on the on the lines. Clearly, price is starting, so yeah. we'll move on from yeah. there. <clears throat> we're going to go to the playoff matchup against the juggernaut, completely improbably ever beaten Toronto Maple Leafs, who are, according to TSN and Sportnet, uh, Sportsnet, going to so dominate the Montreal Canadiens that they won't even bother to play games three and four because the teams will fold in front of Toronto. To quote Nick Kiprios, I'll be nice and give them a game. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, the Toronto media is basically... 
you're saying Nick Kiprio still has something to do with sports? <laughs> uh, the Toronto media is just, I mean, even Craig Button, who said at the beginning of the season, Montreal is going to win the division. Uh, just did it said they'll, he'll be shocked if they win a game, Montreal wins a game. And he based it off and, their last three games, which included well, a win everyone, against Toronto. Not only did it include a win, but include two close games that Montreal had a chance in winning uh, with their top six, top six of their top players out. So in a very condensed schedule, which Toronto did not have. So I'm going to give a shout out to JD Lagrange. Uh, he put out a tweet. He actually went through the number of games since that COVID break that the Canadians had and who played the most in that time span. So since the, uh, what was it? March 17th, they came back just after uh, St. Patrick's day. Yeah. So he looked at the entire thing for the North division the and throughout the league, the Canadians played the most games in that time span of the entire league. The next team to show up out of the North division was in 21st place. And that was the Toronto Maple Leafs. That amount of condensed play has a difference. It makes a difference. There is a factor there. So it's no wonder Toronto had a little bit more in their tank. They had, they had a day off. The Canadians had only played um, twice against the team that had played the night before when they hadn't. That makes a difference. Yeah. Uh, I'm glad Montreal's the underdog. I'm glad everybody yeah. wants, says they're going to be trampled. Anything over two wins or more, even if they lose a series, is a win, in my, in my opinion, against, well, against everybody else. But um, I mean, if I were in the Toronto media, and I'm glad I'm not, but if I were, I would be very careful about pumping their tires so much because they've done it every year. They've pumped yeah. those tires and then the tires explode on them in the first round. And then they go through this gigantic three-month-long eulogy where they decry everything being wrong with the team when they just spent nine months calling them the perfect hockey team. It's, it's an all or nothing with these guys and it's really, really weird to watch. Now, coming into this series... If anyone thinks that the Canadians aren't going to keep this game, this series close, they got another thing coming. They really do. Montreal's. I mean, are we getting into game plans? Or are we just talking like what, the, what are we getting? Yeah, the series. We're talking the series. Montreal, if they take the time and space away from Toronto and hit, 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 finish all their checks, pound them against the boards, Montreal got a very good chance to win the series especially against Matthews, who really hates that physical aspect of the game. I know he's improved on that part, mm -hmm. but he does not like getting hit. He loves giving the hit, but he hates taking the hits because it throws him off. His timing's a little bit off because he needs to be in a certain spot at a certain time for Marner to really be able to hit him with those perfect passes. And yeah, if he's thrown off just a little bit, he hates it. And this is why I say... I think they should focus more on Marner than focus on Matthews because if Matthew Marner can't get the puck to Matthews, there's a lower percentage that he's going to score. I'm not going to say he's not going to score because I mean, Matthews can pretty much score from anywhere almost like let's, let's, give, much. Credit where, let's give credit where credit is due. Matthews is a hell probably, of a season. 
He's probably the most pro- prolific goal scorer in the league today. For this year, for for sure for this, this year. year, anyway. Yeah. And uh, but if you take Marner out of that equation, he has to work harder. And if you make uh, Matthews work harder, you're going to throw Matthews off his game. I'm not saying he's lazy. Don't yeah. get me wrong. I'm not saying he's lazy no, for no. all those people, the few Toronto fans that listen to troll us later. Uh, I'm not saying he's lazy. I'm just saying he's used to, like you said, I'm going to go here and Marner's going to get me the puck and I'm just going to put it into whatever hole I find. Uh, but <laughs> if he gets there and he's not getting the puck, then he got to find where the puck is. That's going to make, that's going to throw him off his game. Yeah. And it, that physical aspect of the game is really, that's, that's an, a major advantage for the Canadians. The Canadians are set up. They've been talking about it all year. They're more of a playoff style, which is a euphemism for physical. Yeah. You look at their blue line, <clears throat> Romanov, Weber, Edmondson, Sherratt, even Petrie are physical defensemen. Petrie had about a hundred hits this year in 54 games. So it's a couple of hits per game, which is a, a good amount. As a, as a team, Montreal threw 500 hits more, over 500 hits more than the Leafs did this year. Yeah. Which so is they're, pretty they're built for that. <laughs> and the, finishing your check constantly. And, and in the regular season, it doesn't have as much of an impact as it would in the playoffs because you're playing these guys over and over again. Yeah. So you finish all those checks. And this is where, like you mentioned in the first half, where Anderson comes in. His the importance he plays. He is a wrecking ball. He will yes, yeah. he gets into people's heads. Just look at what he did to Simmons in the last game that uh, the Canadians and Leafs played. Simmons yeah. was getting in a little bit of a scuffle, and Anderson just walked in and just knocked him on his ass. Yeah. And then ever since, every time, any time that Anderson took a hit of any kind, it was turned into a gift by a Leaf fan and say, "Oh, we got him." Yeah. So if you're in the heads of the Leaf fans that that much, you're guaranteed to be in the heads of the players. Yeah. Well, he only scored one goal last year, so like we can't expect him to do anything this yeah. year. Except for he that, only he, had, he, yeah, he only had 24 points. So the big well, thing is yeah, the big thing pace. for me is something that I've called out multiple times throughout the season, and not just the Canadians, but a lot of teams are guilty of this. But seeing that we're a Canadian-based show, obviously easy to point out is the losses that the Canadians have come up with this year in my opinion a lot of it can be attributed to letting the stars have the space mm-hmm. and you know McDavid's a hell of a player there's a couple times that players kind of step back a little bit or like oh, am I going to finish my check am I going to get my hands on him whatever or am I going to let him skate by me well, the Canadian, the uh, the the playoffs is a whole different animal, and if the Canadians can look at the jersey and not the name on the back of it, I think that's going to be the, uh, the one of the stories of this uh, this series. Well, that's and, how you uh, want to hit them too, because you don't want that penalty for hitting from behind. Well, exactly, but you don't want it, you don't want it, you don't want it to be like, well, Marner's coming down the wing. I know I can put him into the boards, not to kill him, but to, to slow him down. Am I going to do it or am I going to coast into him? You know, um, I've got Matthews in a position where I can finish a check. I've got uh, Riley in a position I can finish a check. Am I going to do it or am I going to coast in? Well, this and is the playoffs. Obviously, they're going to exactly. do that. And that's what you're hoping for. 
and that's and I think that we saw it with Pittsburgh um, last year, and we even saw it in the Philly series um, that players were finishing their checks, and as long as they stay within the with the with that mentality, and um, and and do so, and not coast in like you know some of the times that they did throughout the regular season, I think that could be the one of the big selling points of this series, and could could really wear down the Leafs lineup throughout the uh, throughout a few games. Well, part of the the physical aspect and finishing checks, another part of that is that gap control that Treg mentioned earlier. To finish your check, you have to be close enough to the player to finish your check. So you have to have that tighter gap. And that's going to be a key for the defense who are going to be the ones that are going to be throwing the most hits, yep. especially coming into the blue line. Yep. Giving up the blue line to the Leafs is a bad idea. And in the last few games against the Leafs, they made it extremely difficult on them when they were coming in over the blue line. Now, Toronto, because of their, their skill level, there was a couple of moments when they got into the zone, the puck was on a stick and gone. You know, like Matthews, that one goal where it bounced, in between, it bounced onto his stick when he was between four players, and it was just in the net. That's, that's a factor that you just cannot defend against. That skill level, you can't stop that. What you can do, step them up at the blue line, finish those checks, throw them off their game, get in their heads. That's what they're going to have to do with that physical aspect. Those tight I found, gaps. I, I just found Montreal. That was the biggest problem with Montreal this year is they just let the other teams come into the, the defensive zone. Just let because them come. They just, they just come back tired. and set up and they, they're tired. Yeah. They're exhausted. And then, they just, and then they just get caught in a cycle. And then uh, finally the, the, the pucks in the a penalty or the puck gets in the back of the net and Montreal's down by a goal or, soon to be down by a goal if anyone's uh, played in a hockey tournament where they've yeah. they at the, the tournament starts on a friday night your team has its first two games on the friday that your third game is saturday morning against a team who just showed up you're gonna probably end up losing that third game mm-hmm. because they're showing up fresh and you're not you've already played a couple of games now it's men's league hockey so you're probably still hammered but you're, you're also tired from playing those two games the night before. That's the difference here where the Canadians, they just don't have, they didn't have the legs. So now that excuse is out of the window. They don't have an excuse where they can let them walk in. They have to stand them up. If they're not, then they're, this is this the fault of a game plan. Yeah. And you'd like to really hope that the refs will let them play playoff hockey. Well, until Toronto needs a power play goal. And and, and that's and that's what well, it's gonna come down to. Like, are they gonna be able to are both teams gonna be able to go back and forth if that's what they want to do? And are the refs gonna be like, Yeah, that wasn't that bad? Or is it gonna be or are they gonna are they gonna have their own game plan, as you as you mentioned? And something that happens in the first period while someone just gets annihilated on a clean hit, and then, you know, tap on the back later on in the game, someone trips over their own feet. Oh, well, that's that's this or that's that. And that's the game, right? My concern is fair. the star power thing. Where that's, you, that saw too. Suzuki, yeah. that too. you saw Suzuki take that uh, two-minute cross-check against uh, Puyarvi. Now, yeah. granted, that, that should be a penalty because he, he yeah. did cross-check him. Yeah. But it was a weak cross-check. And then later yeah. in the game, McDavid is just cracking four gigantic cross-checks into, into Suzuki's back. Right in front of the referee, no call. Yeah, or the Why? Slew because foot. it's McDavid. <laughs> or the slew foot. 
from to be fair toronto's power play is terrible and i was going to get to that i have the stats (laughs) here in front of me as to how good and how bad each one is yeah i think montreal scored two less goals or something than toronto do you want to get into the power play now sure if you want to sure okay well overall toronto's power play slightly better than montreal's by barely a percentage point which should which should really impress the shit out of me that the canadians were that close until you saw the last 15 games, the last 15 games of the season, Montreal's power play has actually stepped up. Yeah. Their, their percentage is much higher. It's about 21, 22% between there. Toronto's power play in the, in that span is 5%. Jesus. <laughs> the, the, their power play right now sucks. So when, remember that game where they had the power, the five on three power play and they put out their top unit? how that was a sign of disrespect at the same time they're trying to break through that that issue their power play sucks right now and they're trying to find a way out so this is going to be a key part of the series because toronto's going to get those power plays they're going to be given the benefit of the doubt on a few calls that eh, probably shouldn't be but that's hockey things are going to be overlooked things are going to be missed they're going to get that chance and this is where Montreal's power play, which in the last 15 games is at 90%. It's actually improved as well. Special teams wise, the Canadians power play and penalty kill have both improved over the last 15 games. And they need to keep, they need to keep those steady. If they have any chance at all. And they scored another shorthanded goal. Yeah, they gave up a power play goal, but they scored a shorthand goal. Yeah, on the same power yeah, exactly, play. exactly. <laughs> so they're even. Yeah, yeah. As if they never scored. Special teams is going to be a key focus on this on this thing. Uh, yeah. I, I I'm like Matt. I I hope it's playoff hockey. You only get two or three power plays a game. Uh, I don't see it. I really don't. Um, it's just it's the matchup. If they, if they were playing if they were playing Winnipeg. I think we'd see a more wide open series yeah. and you're going to see even in the, um, even in the, um, the other series, you really think that they're going to put, you know, Florida against Tampa or Boston, Washington, or Vegas, Minnesota, or St. Louis and uh, Colorado, pretty much any other series. You really think that they're going to be like standing there with their walking whistle in their mouth. It's not going to happen. They're going to let them play. So I'm really hoping, I'm hoping that, some percentage of that translate they transfers over the Canadian series and we can actually see a hard fought series that the better team comes out and it's not based on a referee's game plan. Well, and that, I mean, that's going to be key. I, I have my hopes that it's going to be a, uh, you know, more wide open, less, unless it's a, it's a blatant penalty. Yeah. Uh, they'll put their whistles away. But then again, it, it, it's Toronto. Now, Toronto fans are going to turn around and say, oh, we always get the bad penalties. We never, you know, blah, blah, blah. And maybe every fan base does that. I don't know. But uh, my biggest issue with this whole series is I'm going to have to watch it on Sportsnet. I'm going to have to listen to those oh, Yahoo's yeah. uh, called. You're going to hear Matthew's name every five fucking seconds. Yeah. That's what's going to piss me off. Yeah. Um, and for that to happen, uh, the uh, I mean, not for that to happen, but th- that's going to be the problem. The another big thing uh, that we got to look at that's going to be key to this this series is going to be goaltending. 
Yep. If Carey Price can play like he did in the bubble last year, uh, I don't know if we'll have an issue because I don't think Campbell or Anderson are they going to – I think Campbell's playing over his head, to be honest. I don't think Campbell's as good as everyone thinks he is. Nope. Um, I don't think he's terrible. Don't get me wrong. Uh, but I don't He's having think... a good bounce-back season. He, he really is. is. But his, I think his record's very over-inflated. Inflated. It's inflated, yeah. Um, and I don't think Anderson's as terrible as every Leaf fan thinks he is. Nope. So I think it's going to come down to goaltending. If Carey Price plays like he has all season, we lose. We lose the series. Well, I don't know. Carey Price in March was pretty good right up until his injury. Oh, yeah. But you, you know what I'm saying? Like if he's going to play like he, okay, the, he did the majority of the season. Um, but he steps his game up come playoff time. He's going to be playing every game. He knows he's going to be playing every game. So that, that could be different. Because I truly believe part of Price's issue this year was uh, he didn't play enough. I think yeah. Price is used to playing three, four, five games in a row, having a night off. Yes, we wanted uh, we wanted uh, Allen to play twenty games, but I think Carey Price playing two than Allen, then Price one Allen, then two. You know, I think that threw his rhythm off. I think Price. Yeah, he, needs- he's a he's a goalie that needs a rhythm, and he yeah. needs to get in the zone. And the playoffs are <clears throat> why he tends to step up a little bit is because of that. Yeah, he knows. But- he knows the rhythm. He's he gets in his headspace and he can stay there. I yeah. think that's the biggest weakness on Toronto is their goaltending, and I think that's uh, <clears throat> yeah. That's Campbell what... doesn't have any playoff experience, so that's a big factor. And like I said, I don't think Campbell's as good as his his stats show. I really don't. But who knows? I mean, he's I having a good wrong. year. He's having a good. I'm not. Gonna, oh, I'm not taking his year away from him. I'm just <laughs> saying I think it's a bit overinflated. Yeah, that's all. Like, I look at I look at their their goaltending right now, and you know Campbell will be their number one starting. If he starts to falter, they'll go back with Anderson. Who I don't know. Who, who I think... Anderson? Who Anderson? Yeah, but Anderson. Anderson's missed time with injury. The the games that he's played so far in the AHL, he hasn't looked good. He and, played the last NHL game too. And the whole and the whole um, fan base is going to want Campbell to be in there. Um, I think Anderson starts. I disagree. Yeah. I think he starts the series. He was their starter to start the year. He got an injury and yeah. starters don't lose jobs to injury. That's always been the tradition in the NHL. Even Keith has shown That's, that he won't do that. It's, Toronto. it's Toronto. He's yeah, gonna, I, I see what you're saying, Matt. I get it. And yes, every Toronto fan wants Freddie Anderson, not even on the team, yeah. but uh, like, I, I feel bad for a guy like Hutchison. Hutchison played in the goddamn conference final with um with Colorado when all their goalies went down and he actually held his own it just got to the point where he couldn't he couldn't hold it down any longer when they were playing against Dallas and he played in Toronto for the Marlies last night and he's a fourth he's a fourth he's a four or five guy now and he had he only played eight games but he had a 919 save percentage and a 242 goals against yeah but if you go to the year before he was terrible he couldn't stop a beach ball for Toronto the year before. That was for Toronto. Then he was like, see ya. And he went to Colorado and he lit it up. Yeah. And then he I, came back. <clears throat> he came well, back. Yeah. He's got a pretty decent numbers here with Toronto. Yeah. All their goaltenders do because of the way they play. Yeah. The puck is down the ice a little bit more. And honestly, most of the shots are coming from outside. There's not as much uh, yeah. net front presence, but shot. this is the playoffs. Things yeah. change. Yeah. Even Montreal. I, I, yeah. I, I agree with what you're saying about Anderson Campbell, Matt. I agree. I, but I truly believe Anderson starts the series. 
truly yeah. believe Anderson starts the series. I agree. I think Anderson's going to start. And if the Canadians win that game, then he's, that's it. That's he's his out. last game as a Maple Leaf. Um, so we, we talked about the power plays as, and the penalty kill two key aspects that the Canadians actually hold an advantage on right now. I believe going into this series goaltending, they have an advantage there with Carey price. If Carey price plays the way we know he can, I do think Campbell probably going to get game two once they chase Freddie Anderson out. But, um, I don't know. I don't see it as advantage for Toronto, even though Campbell plays really well this season. I don't see it at forward hundred percent advantage Toronto. I mean, they've got the top four. You just look at that top four and you're like, yep, they got the skill level. Montreal's only hope is to play that depth system that they played at the first 10 games where they were rolling at four lines. And to do that, they need, their blue line to step up and work that transition game. So you want to have a little bit more puck movement. That's why I push more for Kulak to come in versus Merrill, because if things start to go wrong, you have more options to make changes to your pairings, like Kulak moving up and playing with, with Weber and, you know, or Romanov, but you have, you have puck movers, Petrie, Romanov, Kulak, good puck movers who can really, take over or it can take care of that whole zone exit and control it. Not just a dump out like uh, Weber's uh, controlled zone exits are low. It's uh, it's about 40%. His dump outs are about the same amount. It's just, especially with that wrist injury, I'm not expecting much in puck movement from him. Hell, I don't think his shot's going to be the same. What they need is uh, what they, like you said, at the first of the season, they need the defense to get involved more on the offense as well. Uh, It kind of worked for them in that little three-game win series that they had where they won two in overtime. Uh, Petrie got involved. uh, Kulak got involved. Romanov got involved. uh, And I think you still need that. Uh, The only only thing I worry is that Romanov tends to not have the confidence of when to pinch and when not to pinch. Uh, But I thought Sherratt, not playing with Weber. I thought he, he was pinching in. He was playing off. He was yeah. in behind the net a few times. He was, he, and I loved it. I loved how Sherratt played that. And I, I want him to play that way with Weber. He has to act as the puck moving defenseman on that, uh, on that. He's got to take a little bit more because Weber's yeah. not going to be able to. Um, no, we, we have to, are, yeah. but we have to look at the reality of it. Weber is 36 years old. He's got an injury to his, uh, to his wrist. He's not as fast as he used to be, so he's going to have to play it safer. They've got to use Weber as that trailing shot option. Have four, if they want to put yeah. four guys in, have them. Everyone's hemmed in the zone. Everyone's focused on the guys that are towards the net. He's a guy that's going to skate up, walk into a shot. Right? They got to yeah, play and, it like that and play back to play the more defensive style. But that right? wrist injury, I think, is the main reason why he keeps missing the goddamn net. Yeah. yeah. An unpopular opinion, I still think he should be on the second power play unit. Yes, because he's a weapon on the power play, yeah. and it forces the other team to game plan for that, to go yeah, after not, him there. Not the first power play unit, but the second yeah. power play. It, yeah. And if Caulfield's in the game, he has to be on that first power play unit, and he has to start playing on his right side, on the right side for him to shoot, which is the left side, not the right side. Why Ducharme has him on the right side, 
I have no idea. Yeah, if Caulfield because plays, if Caulfield plays, I'd be happy to see Caulfield, Suzuki, and Petrie on on the one one unit. Give them yeah. three three shot options right off the bat. I mean, and if passing we go options by, too. If we go by chemistry, I'd like to see Caulfield start the with caught with uh, Suzuki right off the bat. Yeah, they had good chemistry in those final three. You know, three or the last game that they played, they had excellent chemistry. Yeah, and uh, you know, like you I, said, the the Byron Lekin and Evans line was probably the best line the last week of the season. Yeah, I don't know about you. I'm really excited to get Gallagher back in the lineup. He's going to be a massive difference for the right. Canadians. I am so happy to have him back in the lineup. And as long as he doesn't get hit by another shot, then <laughs> and that's the only thing that's going to slow him down, right? I'm just going to say the only person I may you may not see back right away is Dano. It all depends on how his concussion that's protocols right. go. And his concussion. He's skating with the team, though. He is. He is. But I'm, I'm just saying. I, yeah. I, is, I he gonna be, he is he going to be? Is, is he going to be a guy that's going to play top, the top minutes for every yeah. all forwards, though? Well, he has probably. all year. Suzuki has for centers, but he, right. he probably so, if Matthews is going to be out there thirty minutes a game, you're going to see Dano out there thirty minutes a game. So yeah. close, and to, I'm okay. They're going to have to find other ways to yeah. do matchups. That's where I think they're going to having someone like Evans. The way that line has been playing, they, they can, can match up against speed. McDavid. They can match up against Matthews, not as a primary, but to, as a fill-in role. You know, the guys just finished a, p- a penalty kill, and Matthews is out there. Well, Evans, okay, go. Take 30 seconds, and then our guys, come, uh, the other guys will come out. I mean, we're back to the lines now. I just know, and you can hate on me for saying it, but I just know you're going to see Stahl, Perry, and Merrill in the lineup to start the, the, the series. And that that's what kills me, is you, the coaches playing it safe. You can't, when you're the underdog, to the level that the Canadians are the underdog in this series. No point playing it safe. Don't play it safe. You use your most talent possible. Now, Perry, I would have in the lineup because he has found a way to impact the game on both sides of the ice, despite his lack of speed. He's a smart player and it's the playoffs. So he's going to get away with a lot of the shit that he used to do. You know, with the extra little elbows, the extra little cross checks. He is a greasy hockey player. And that will piss off the other team because he's not going to get called for most of that stuff. He gets in their heads. He can chirp. That's an underrated aspect of hockey. People overlook that part, but that's going to be a big factor. Gallagher is a big part of that too. Gallagher loves to talk. And I keep talking about zone entries. Gallagher led the forwards in zone uh, controlled zone entry percentages. He is a key factor in their attack. So getting him back, Nugger just gives them he, like that. He's the heartbeat of the team. He really yeah. is, and he just he brings he brings it every shift, and he just he just he brings it out of he brings that energy out of the team. He's the future captain of the Montreal Canadiens. There's yeah, a reason so. Bergeron so. cried when he signed him. Yeah, I'd say <laughs> I'd say reason. I'd say I'd say you're right that that uh, he's the future captain. 100%. But here's the issue: if you want. Uh... Lekin and Byron Perry and all those guys like that in there. There's no room for Caulfield. No, that's not necessarily true because then the choice comes down to Armia, Armia and, and Caulfield. Caulfield. Yeah. And for me, it's a no-brainer. You want scoring. Yep. Get the guy I, I, I totally agree. But Armia is also one of their top penalty killers. Him and Zizuki but you got enough, you got plenty of other penalty killers. Yeah, yeah you do. I'm just plenty. playing devil's advocate here, Blaine. I'm just But if you're I looking do, at roles. 
I will be shocked. I'll be shocked if Caulfield is in the starting lineup in game one. Shocked. Yeah, he should be shocked if who? Caulfield's in the starting lineup for game. But this is where you you have to make these decisions. And if Armia's not there, who can fill in on the penalty kill? Oh, I don't know. Literally anybody else on the forward line. I I agree. I agree. And if Caulfield's not there, who's going to fill in his his role as a shooter for the power play and through the game? Nobody. Uh, Kulak. (laughs) I've got a so I've got that poll going on right now, and I'm just you do. Ha ha. All right. Uh, just took a quick look at it. 1,258 votes in so far with eight and a half hours left to go. Uh, the question is, which of these forwards is likely to be scratched for game one? And uh, the uh, the players that were um, that I chose, uh, Stahl, Armia, Caulfield, Cockney, Emmy, and right now 51% is Stahl. That's, what that's, people, what, that's who people want to be. That's, that's right. exactly yeah. it. That's exactly it. Uh, second at 22% is Cockney 15% is Caulfield, 12% is Armia. Yeah, and that's all what people are reading the question as, and they're picking who they want to sit. Stahl right. is not sitting. I don't care what anyone said. You can blame Bergevin, and I'm a true believer. Bergevin has nothing to do with the lineups. I don't think there was a – a condition of signing stall that he was guaranteed ice time. I don't believe that shit stall didn't steal any ice time away from cotton. Yemi cotton. Yemi still had more ice time than stall in every game, but stall is a veteran and Ducharme is a Julian 2.0 and Stahl's going to play. Now that, that little uh, caveat there that you said during the trade where he had to be dressed, he couldn't be wa- He couldn't be scratched that little little side hustle what what would happen if they if they didn't dress him and they scratched him he would choose not to sign with the canadians again which he probably isn't anyway he's not going to anyway <laughs> so one i think that uh, that that rumor is bullshit I, it's total bullshit two even if it's not who gives a shit you play your best players at the yeah. time you if you have something a handshake deal where you're not to be scratched you're hurting the team if you're playing like crap. And if, if these guys are pros, they don't want to do that. This narrative that Bergevin is running the lineups and telling the coach who to put in and put it out. No. Whoever spread, I mean, I know who you are. And one of you is, I don't understand because none of your three favorites have ever said that. But uh, <laughs> um, I know who you mean now. It, it's, it doesn't happen. It, the, Bergevin wants to win. If he was worried about his job being on the line when he fired Julian, why would he go down to him and say, you've got to play these guys. I don't care how shitty they're playing. That is the dumbest thing anyone at any level of any organization would do, unless you're Melnick in Ottawa. Uh, that and, GM's uh, not going to th- do that. On Melnick, <laughs> my thoughts and prayers go out to him and his family for their vacation during a pandemic being ruined uh, overseas. I feel terrible for you. Uh, I don't understand why the ocean would have a storm and raise big waves when you're at sea. Uh, That's not my experience as a sailor for the last 20 some odd years. It's always been calm on the Atlantic. Never, ever had a wave ever. I'm sure Treg has the same experience. Never. I've never been told to take your mattresses off your racks and sleep on the deck. (laughs) And we don't have seatbelts in our beds at sea either no because that's Which pointless. Are useless but anyway <laughs> yeah so thoughts and prayers to eugene melnick 
Uh, I really hope that your frivolous lawsuit gets you everything you deserve. From my experience, um, the only straps that have ever been on a bed I've put there myself next to my down pillows. But uh, I mean, did I say that out loud on a podcast? What the hell? Was that a, <laughs> ladies was that a single? Was that a strap on? <laughs> <laughs> the bed? I mean, on the bed? On the bed, on the bed, on the bed. <laughs> And tiptoeing back to hockey. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, yeah. So, um, playoff hockey. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Do we have predictions? Before we sign off, it's been over an hour. We're going we're gonna to sign off here soon. So let's do a quick prediction. So we're going to have, we're scheduled to have Brian Mudrick come on the show on, on Tuesday night for our Wednesday show, just before the playoffs. So we're going to cover this with him as well, but, Let's get this out there now. Matt, what is your prediction for this series? Habs and five. Who and five? Habs and five. Habs and five. Okay. That's ballsy. It is ballsy. That's why I'm saying it. Uh, after it. after the comment I just made yeah. about a, about <laughs> uh, about straps on a straps on a bed and uh, and down pillows. Yeah, that's ballsy too. <laughs> yeah. you're, strap, you're strapping in for the long haul on this one. All right. So Habs and five for Matt. Treg, what do you think? I say Leafs and six. Okay. I don't want to say that. I just nope. Leafs and six. I'm thinking it's going to be the Leafs and seven. I think the Canadians take these guys to a seventh game and it's not going to be a walk away where they beat them five, one in a couple of games and, I think it's going to be one goal games every time. We're going to have at least three overtime games. I I think it'll be six games. I think every game will be one goal, maybe an empty net here or there, uh, maybe an overtime or so, but I think it's going to be all very close games, very low scoring games too. I think it's going to be like three, two, three, one, four, three, four, three. Yeah. Now I'm going to go a step further and I'm going to make another prediction. One of the overtime wins is going to go to Toronto and they're going to win it with a power play goal on a bullshit call. Obviously. I'm going out on a limb on this that's one. Probably gonna be, that's probably going to be the go-ahead goal on most games, to be <laughs> honest. But. All right. Uh, so I think that pretty much covers this one. Uh, there was quite a bit of in-depth hockey talk and some some weird shit at the end. And some too much information from Matt. So... Uh, if anyone's uh, if anyone's single and looking for Matt, uh, just go to Twitter at Snakebite350. Uh, check him out there. Uh, for those of you who stuck through this entire episode and that gong show of a segment, um, thank you, thank you for sticking with us. Thank you for listening. We've uh, our our viewership is growing. We're getting more followers. Um, <clears throat> so I want to thank you for that. Now Matt has something he wants to pass on. Yeah, so um, East Coast Company, East Coast Lifestyle, wearing one of their shirts right now. Uh, head on over to their website, use the code UNFILTERED20, get 20% off. Uh, you know, support a Canadian company. They make some great stuff. Yeah, also Built Bar. If you want to buy some Built Bar products, use the code UNFILTERED20. And it's HABS20 for the, uh, the code for uh, uh, East Coast right now. Unfiltered oh, 24. Has it changed again? Yeah. 
and unfiltered 20 <laughs> unfiltered 20 for built bar gets you 10 percent off your purchase they're protein uh, also, bars by the way yeah. <laughs> in case people don't know exactly and uh don't forget check out no name hockey they got some great equipment i i just got a, a new hockey stick uh, delivered to me here in the last couple of days my big papa pump twig can't wait to get out on the ice and use that whenever this lockdown ends so yeah check them out go online they've got a store in winnipeg now for you know, for those who can walk in check them out uh that's built bar east coast lifestyle no name hockey all good friends of habs unfiltered so i'd like and to I am thank wearing pants i was i was hoping to leave that as a mystery for the show <laughs> <laughs> so uh, i'd like to thank all the new followers all the new listeners for checking in i hope this was entertaining i hope it informed as well because that is our goal we want to have fun but we want to put out the factual news we're, we don't want to start rumors we don't want to make up crap so we're just happy that you choose us as one of your trusted sources we know that we're one of many and we're we approve of that because we follow other people as well. There's some great people out there. We're not the only ones. So thank you for listening. And remember, if you were talking about it, so are we. Are you in the market for quality sticks and equipment you can afford? There is a no frills, no nonsense company that wants to provide that to you. No Name Hockey. No Name Hockey is a small Canadian company started by former pro player Jason Goulet. When he retired, he searched for sticks that felt like when he was a pro but could never find the right one or one that was reasonably priced. So he decided to start No Name Hockey. Now No Name offers high quality, customized sticks at a fair price. They won't try to wow you with a fancy name. They will focus on providing you a pro stock quality stick that you can afford. The cost of sticks has gone through the roof due to sponsorships and licensing fees. No Name Hockey makes sticks for the no-names and players currently making a name. Do, did, will, the Story of People podcast is now available on the Cryer Media Network. The first five episodes are here and feature some incredible guests that fit into one or all three of those categories. Ready? Tara Sloan from the San Jose Sharks, Undercurrent Podcast at NBC Sports. Marianne Iveson from Iveson Voice and the Let's Take This Outside podcast to talk about the world of outdoors as well as voiceover land. Ariana Hunsicker, future Canadian Paralympic swimmer, already winning tons of awards for this country. Scott McGregor from the Hot Wallet podcast to dumb down the world of crypto, Bitcoin, and NFTs so you don't have to. And Jackie Holowaty from Climate Pledge Arena in Seattle, Washington, the first net zero carbon certified arena on the planet. 
wherever you get your pods, wherever you watch your pods, and on the Crier Media Network. The Podcast Super Friends is a monthly meeting of five podcast producers. Hi, I'm Catherine O'Brien from Branch Out Programs in Baton Rouge, Louisiana. I'm John Gay from Jagged Detroit Podcasts. I'm Matt Kundle from the Sound Off Podcast Network. I'm David Yes from Pod 617, the Boston Podcast Network. And I'm Johnny Peterson from Straight Up Podcasts. Together, they form the Podcast Super Friends, an alliance of podcast masterminds sharing best practices, insights, and discussions to help make you a better podcaster. Follow or subscribe to the show on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, or at soundoff.network.